0: I want to say one other thing before I start this morning. Uh, Last week's message was uh, uncanny, the timing of that. Um, uh, When we are in a series that you have really told us what you want to hear, and we have taken those recommendations and those suggestions and turned them into a month-long sermon series. Uh, When we preach on suicide on Monday, excuse me, Sunday, and then Monday we read what we did on Robin Williams, uh, it brings it home that much more. Can I tell you that um, there were emails and texts to me this week that came out of the woodwork with some of you that were just telling me about your issues with depression and uh, the thoughts that you deal with sometimes. And I thank, thank you so much for your belief in me that you would confide that very personal information with me. I, I, I respect that and I count that a high privilege that you would share that with me. I know we have one lady here this morning that uh, has struggled with her emotions for uh, many years and she's not even able to be here today because of her emotional condition. She's struggling so much and she texted me this morning and, and and asked that we would be able to pray for her and I'm not obviously not going to give you her name, but I just want you to know there's one among you here today that couldn't get out of bed. And some of you understand that feeling. Some of you understand that feeling. And we saw so we saw a little bit of um, uh, uncanny timing that happened there on Monday with the Robin Williams incident. And I want to say one, someone came up to me in the first service and said, we were waiting for you to post on Facebook concerning the Robin Williams incident. And I said all I wanted to say uh, about God, the Bible, and suicide on on Sunday morning. Uh, But I I will say this. Um, I wish we had seen as many Facebook posts about the hundreds of Iraqi Christians who are being slaughtered daily that we did about one comedian who committed suicide. I felt really guilty last Sunday um, that we didn't have corporate prayer for the situation that we have in the Middle East. The situation in the Middle East is deteriorating. It's been bad for a long time, and I don't know if there's any answer to that, and I'm not at all sure there's any American answer to that at all but I just want you all to know that we have fellow brothers and sisters in Christ that are being deeply persecuted and even murdered and martyred for their faith even as I speak here now, whether they be young or old or even babies that are being beheaded. And it's cool for us to sit in Xenia, Ohio in our nice little comfortable lives and try to ignore all of that, but we can't. Uh, it's, re- it's really pretty pathetic of me to stick my head in the sand and somehow ignore that I don't know what we can do if I would take an offering and knew where to send the money and thought the money would help I would do that but I don't know what we do in that situation we pray and sometimes in our lack of faith sometimes we say well I guess all we can do is pray when prayer is probably our most vital battleground in that whole area some of you saw that I put on Facebook this week um, um, a t-shirt that I'm going to have for sale next uh, next Sunday morning, the, the 24th. Um, if you're all familiar with Facebook, you see a lot of people have been putting on their personal profiles, that little Arabic symbol, that Arabic symbol there that you see there stands for N. And that is the symbol, uh, that many Islamic terrorists, many, uh, Al-Qaeda, many ISIS people are going around and putting on Christian homes, marking them for persecution and martyrdom. And, and, uh, that's, that's, uh, Arabic symbol for N, which stands for Nazarene, which is the name that Arabics call Christians. They call them Nazarenes. Not the denomination. The followers of the Nazarene. uh, As we call our church. We're the church of the Nazarene. That's just like the church of Jesus Christ. We're going to have these for sale next Sunday and I think they're going to be $8. It And is not going to do anything. But I feel like I feel like I have to do something. I, I, I truly despise little token shows of support. I, I truly despise them and hashtag this and hashtag that and like we're doing a whole bunch of stuff on that kind of stuff. I, I don't. This won't. This won't do any good. But I just feel like in some way that we have to align ourselves with our feather brother, fellow brothers and sisters that are being persecuted. So uh, some of you next Sunday are going to uh, want. To buy these, and it doesn't make you any less of a Christian if you don't want to buy these. But I'll have a whole bunch of them out there, and I th- I thought about taking a big, you know, sign-up sheet and get, tell me your sizes. But I'm just going to buy a whole bunch because I had a lot of. I put it on Facebook. I have a lot of people from other churches that are calling, and want them too. So we're just going to order a whole bunch of them. And I, I don't know what good it's going to do. I, I'll make myself feel better, but maybe that's just some. That's pretty lame. I don't know. But I just want to identify myself with my brothers and sisters around the world that are being persecuted and it has nothing to do with the church of the nazarene nothing to do with that it's nazarene it is followers of jesus christ who are being uh, persecuted and so next week you'll see some of these t-shirts around and some of you will want them some of you won't and that's all well and good okay the sermon series is you asked for it and so we, we we received about 70 some odd suggestions for sermons and obviously there's only five Sundays in August and we have to weed through those and pick and choose and we'll probably come through next August and maybe do a similar thing. But I'm preaching a sermon this morning that I don't want to preach, but you asked for it, okay? And I'm responding to you. I was surprised on how many questions and suggestions we received on end time stuff whether it was second coming, whether it was rapture, whether it was the thousand-year reign of Christ and all of that stuff, I was really surprised on how many questions we got out of that. I don't like to preach on all that stuff because a whole lot of that is speculation, not speculating of the return of Christ. There's no speculation there. But the speculation of how and when and where and all of that is just total speculation. And, and you can have preachers and you can be able to to go on TBN and you can see the John Hagees of the word will have, world will have charts and graphs and they'll have it all figured out and I just don't get it friends, I, I just don't get it I have no desire to stand in front of you and, and preach speculation I have no desire to stand in front of you and preach my opinion uh, my opinion is not worth a dime and neither is yours but when I preach the word of God to you that can be truth that will set you free and, and, and so I stay away from a lot of the whole speculation about what's going to happen in end times I'm a very practical guy I'm just a rubber meets the road type of guy I want to keep people out of hell I really do I want to keep people out of hell and I want to people, see people grow up in who they are in Christ that's really the only reason I'm in this thing okay and I, I don't understand in my mind and maybe someone will convince me after the service but I don't understand in my mind how f- focusing on end times and focusing on things uh, that are speculation and conjecture is really keeping people out of hell and helping them grow in Christ-likeness. You can be so infatuated with the end times and have all kinds of books on the end times and have your little theory on the end times and still be a lousy husband. I'm more concerned that you would be a lousy husband or a lousy wife than I would be that you have your end times theology all down straight. Does that make sense to you? I'm more concerned that you be a good parent. I'm more concerned that you be a good son or daughter. I'm more concerned that you'd be a good employee or an employer. I'm more concerned for you growing up, you are in Christ and, and being a Christ-like disciple than I am about trying to get all of our theology of the end times down. Um, but, I want to respond to you, and if maybe if there had been one or two of these, I could have thrown them off and said I don't want to preach that, but I couldn't because there were so many of these. So I, I need to be able to respond to you in all of this. Um, there are some reasons why why we don't preach that. Oh, I'm speaking for myself, okay? There's reasons that why I don't spend times on end times stuff and speculation. A lot there's a lot of confusion of it. Some of us are even either confused between the rapture and the second coming, and and some of that confusion is is because that there are scripture verses that, that, are, that are kind of vague and we don't know if whether Jesus or the writer is talking about the second coming or the rapture, which are two completely different things. The rapture is when Jesus comes and, and his church gets caught up with him and he takes his church out of this world. And the second coming is at the end of the age when Jesus comes with his church to defeat the Antichrist. Those are two completely different things. And I think sometimes because there's not a lot of things because God has chosen in His Word not to make a lot of those things clear, there is some ambiguity there, and there is some difficulty in knowing between those those two things. I'm more concerned. I struggle sometimes that people are more concerned about the soonness of that than they are the certainty of that. Okay, that's really important. It seems like we are more concerned with the soonness of that than the certainty of that. I. It's one day closer than it was yesterday. That's all I know. <laughs> the Apostle Paul in First and Second Thessalonians seemed to think it was coming very quickly. Now Apostle Paul was personally discipled by Jesus Christ. Jesus took him out three years in the desert, it says in Galatians, and personally took out all that ungodly pharisaical thinking and put in godly thinking. And he had much more insight into the things of God than I do and the apostle Paul missed it it seems like when he wrote the Thessalonians letters in 60 and 65 AD he thought it was coming pretty quick and he's missed it about going on 2,000 years and who am I or anyone the rest of us to think that we have it right I don't know how soon it will be But it's cool to sing the old gospel songs. Jesus is coming soon, morning or night or noon. I never understood this verse. Many will meet their doom. I don't understand why we sing about people meeting their doom. I've never understood that. I don't know how soon it is, but I'm certain that he's coming. It could be this afternoon. It could be another thousand years. Oh, but don't you know, Mark, all the earthquakes and all the wars. Well, okay, let's go on the U.S. geological site and we can research. The earthquakes that are now are no more severe or no more common than the earthquakes were 50 and 100 and 150 years ago. They're not. The wars that we have now are no more common than the wars that we've had throughout the ages. It's just that we have the age of 24-hour news and the internet now, and we hear about this stuff so much more. The only way we used to get the news was from our daily newspaper and ABC, CBS, or NBC. But now we've got 24-hour news channels. We've got the internet. We've got the Drudge Report. We've got everything that can be able to tell us, everything that's going on. It seems like we know everything that's going on, and there's more wars now than there's ever been, and no, there's not no there's not I I stray away sometimes because I don't want to focus on the soonness but I do want to tell you this morning of the certainty of that one another reason I strayed away is because we have embarrassed the cause of Christ and the body of Christ with so many predictions and this and that we have looked silly And we look silly enough on our own. Thank you very much. We don't need any help. I just don't need people naming names and dates and charts and graphs. And none of them pan out. None of them pan out. It's an embarrassment to the cause of Christ. And it makes unbelievers, it makes it more difficult for them to believe. Let's be thinking Christians. Not feeling Christians, not emotional Christians. Let's be thinking Christians. And let's not clearly name days and hours when Jesus has clearly told us in Matthew 24, 36, not to be able to do that. I heard someone say, listen to this, friends. I heard someone to say, well, Jesus said you couldn't name the day or the hour, but that doesn't mean that we can't talk about the week or the month. What are some, Katie, we have some up here, 88 reasons why the rapture will be in 1988. <laughs> I think I went to Applebee's that night and didn't really worry too much about it. Because <laughs> as soon as I know someone names a date, there's one thing I know for sure, it ain't going to be on that date, okay? So I'm just going to go out and eat, drink, and be merry that night, Okay. Harold Camping, familyradio.com, he came out and put, they bought billboards all over the country May 21st, 2011, and somehow they figured all that out, and they're smarter than I am, and they couldn't do that, so they had this billboards. they had their followers city after city with their megaphones, and that's really helping unbelievers believe right there, I guarantee you, and then it didn't happen on May 21st, so he made a slight recalculation and said, no, it's going to be October 21st, and the world continues, the unbelieving world continues to laugh. What else do we have? Um, Dr. Russell here was one of the founders of what we understand now to be Jehovah's Witness, and this was his chronology, and 1914 uh, has come and gone. Okay? Ed Dobson was a pastor in Michigan. Fifty remarkable events pointing to the end. Boy, that'll sell books. You write a book and put a jacket on, the end. Let me tell you something, I'm worried sometimes, is there some carnality involved in that? That I can know secret things that you don't know. And I can f- figure out Bible codes that you can't figure out. In my little group, in my little denomination, in my little church, we've got it figured out, but everybody doesn't have it figured out. There could be carnality involved in all that, friends. Let me tell you, 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 give a, you give a conference in a church on end times and prophecy, and you'll pack it out, you give a conference in a church on Christ-like discipleship, and nobody will show up. The end. Why Jesus could return by A.D. 2000. Do we have anything? This is what I like. After the, after the March, May 21st, 2011 came and gone, somebody bought billboards said, well, that was awkward. <laughs> I'm a smart aleck at heart, so I would have given to that billboard there. Here's what the Bible tells you about the second coming, end times, rapture. Well, let's lump all that into one thing today. The Bible tells you, he will return. Amen. He will return. I, I could take the whole preaching time today and list scriptures about that. The whole preaching time, but I'm not going to do that. I've just listed a few of you that come from Jesus' own mouth himself. What do we have up here, Katie? For the Son of Man is going to come in His Father's glory with His angels, and then He will reward each person according to what they have done. Luke 21, be careful, or your hearts will be weighed down with carousing and drunkenness and the anxieties of life, and that day will close on you suddenly like a trap. For it will come on all those who live on the face of the whole earth. Be always on the watch. And pray that you may be able to escape all that is about to happen and that you may be able to stand before the Son of Man. It will be good for those servants whose master finds them watching when he comes. Truly, I tell you, he will dress himself to serve, will have them recline at the table, and will come and wait on them. It will be good for those servants whose master finds them ready even if he comes in the middle of the night or toward daybreak. You also must be ready because the Son of Man will come at an hour when you do not expect Him. If anyone is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, the Son of Man will be ashamed of them when He comes in His Father's glory with the holy angels. I could go on and on, okay? Jesus said, in my Father's house there are many mansions. And uh, surely I've told you this, and when I will come again... I will bring you to myself. I mean, there's all through Scripture. Jesus speaks of what we understand to be the second coming. Some of that gets mixed in there with the rapture. Can I tell you what the Bible tells you? One thing the Bible tells you. It does not tell you the day and the hour, but it tells you he will return. The second thing the Bible tells you is in Matthew twenty-four thirty-six that we don't know when that's going to be because Jesus plainly said no man knows the hour. We do not know when that is going to be. In, in, in spite of that very obvious passage of Scripture, somebody will name another date in the future. I don't get it. Jesus said even he didn't know when the Father would say, It's time. He will return no one knows the day or the hour only the father and what the Bible says over and over again is be ready be ready Bible doesn't say count the days and make sure you you plan this out Bible says be ready going to come like a thief in the night. Be ready. It may be in the, in the middle of the night or a daybreak. Be ready. Be ready. So that's what, basically what the Bible says. There's your little three-point sermon right there. He's going to come. No one knows when he's going to come, but be ready. And that's a very brief synopsis of what the Bible says, that I can sit up here and with authority be able to say, thus saith the Lord on this whole topic of end times, the second coming, and so forth and so on. Now, the question would be, What's he mean by being ready? How do you get ready? What's it mean to be ready? We we could probably all say some things right now on what it means to to be ready. But as Jesus in Matthew 24 said several times as he's talking about end-time events, several times he said, be ready, be ready. Keep watch. And several times throughout scriptures, be ready. It's going to come like a thief in the night. Paul says in Thessalonians, he says, don't get all fired up about days. He he just says it, friends. He says, don't get all fired up about days and times. He just says, be ready. So what does it mean to be ready? Right after he tells us to be ready several times in Matthew 24, we go straight to Matthew 25, and there's three parables that tell us how to be ready. So he tells us in Matthew 24 several times, he tells us to keep watch and be ready. Be ready. Then he goes to Matthew 25, and there's three parables parables right here and it's important for you to understand we've said this many times before and some of you said this was new information for you but a parable is a story jesus made up and he made it up to make a point it's just a story jesus told it's the way he taught and he he'd tell a little story about this to try to be able to make a point so it's interesting, when Jesus could have made up any story to make a point, he makes up this particular story. So when he's talking about uh, people that, that, that run off into a far country and then are welcomed home by the Father, he could have said any kind of story, but he tells a story of the prodigal son. Now that's interesting to know. Jesus could have made up any story to be able to make this point, but he chose this story to be able to make up, and he chose three of them in Matthew 25 to talk about how do you get ready? The first one is you, you, some of you know it, that know your Bibles. It's the parable of the ten virgins. And we have it up here. At that time, the kingdom of heaven would be like ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Back in then, for weddings, you never knew when the groom was going to show up, show up. Okay? And he could show up at 3, he could show up at 7, and you just had to be able to be ready and wait for when the bridegroom shows. That's really weird for us today. It's also, also, in first century Jerusalem, weddings went on for weeks. Just a week-long party. It's just a different day and different time. Five of, of these ten virgins, five of them were foolish and five of them were wise. The foolish ones took their lamps but did not take any oil with them. The only way to be able to have any light back then, obviously, was have some type of a lamp or lantern and to be able to have oil to keep that light burning. Okay, the wise ones, they took oil in a jar. Okay, the bridegroom was a long time in coming. Long time in coming. Some of them said, well, I think he's probably going to come Tuesday at 3 o'clock. No, he's a long time in coming. Well, maybe some of them, I think he's going to come Thursday at 7. Oh, he's a long time in coming, the bridegroom was. This is, a, this is a story that Jesus made up to try to make a point on being ready. The bridegroom was a long time in coming, and they all became drowsy and fell asleep. At midnight, the, the cry rang out, Here's the bridegroom! Come out and meet him! They all, then all the virgins woke up and trimmed their lamps. The foolish one said to the wise give us some of your oil our lamps are going out verse 9 no they replied there may not be enough for for both of us and you that don't seem very Christian aren't we supposed to sh- I teach my kids to share no you can't have any of my oil Go buy yourself. Go to the guy that sells the oil and buy it for yourself. You can't live off of anyone else's oil. You have to have your own. Your grandmother's oil, I don't care how godly she was, is not good enough for you. Your grandfather's oil, I don't care how godly he is, is not good enough for you. Your mama's oil, I don't care how much she prays for you and how much she brings you to church, is not good enough for you. You've got to have your own oil. Verse 10. But while they were on their way to buy the oil, the bridegroom arrived. The virgins who were ready went in with him to the wedding banquet, and the door was shut. Later the others came, Lord, Lord, they said, open the door for us. And Lord, is we understand that to be uh, Jesus Christ, Lord, but it was a word in that day, you'll see it translated two different ways in Scripture, Lord with all capitals, and Lord spelled that way. Lord spelled this way means sir, means sir. But he replied, truly I tell you, I don't know you. Therefore, keep watch, because you do not know the day or the hour. Keep watch, because you do not know the day and the hour. What does it mean to be ready? Well, in the Bible, oil is always a symbol for the Holy Spirit. It means to be walking with Jesus and walking in the fullness of the Spirit and be led by the Spirit and be trusting Jesus as your Savior and following Him as Lord. And I mean, we could many things. It means to keep your lamps trimmed. But it's interesting, they used Jesus, who could have used any illustration he chose here, chose that illustration that is used so many times in the Old and the New for oil, walking with the Spirit of God, trusting in Jesus as Savior, following him as Lord. And those, the ones that had enough oil were ready, according to the story Jesus told. Now, identify with someone in the story that's not even mentioned. Kind of mentioned in a side way because it says the foolish ones went out to buy oil. And one of the things I do every Sunday, you know, one of the things, I, I'm an oil salesman. And every Sunday, I'm asking you to go deeper. I'm asking you to get more of God. I'm asking you to, to, to go deeper with the Holy Spirit, to go deeper in his grace. Because when difficult times come, you, you, need, you need a reserve built up. You can't live off of yesterday's oil. You must have an up-to-date experience. And I'm an oil salesman every single Sunday, and I'm imploring you to get more oil because I know for you that difficult times are coming as they are for me. And I need a reservoir full of the Holy Spirit to allow me to walk through that difficulty. So what's it mean to be ready? Matthew 24 tells us to keep watching, be ready several times now we get to 25 three parables three stories that jesus makes up to tell us how to be ready and he says right here to be walking in the fullness of the spirit leaning hard on jesus trusting him as savior following as lord when you walk by the spirit you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature paul tells us in galatians one story then another story is, is one that many of you know it's the story of the talents he gives five talents. Now, talents is not like we understand talents. Talents was a unit of money, and five talents was a lot of money. And the master gave five talents to this one guy, and he says, I'm going, I want you to use these talents, and when I come back, I want to see what you've done with them. To, with another one, he gave two talents, or it depends on what gospel you read, it could be three. He said, hey, I've given you two, three talents. When you, I'm going to go, when I come back, I want to see what you've done with those. To another one, he gave one talent. and he says, hey, I'm giving this to you, when, I, when I'm going to leave, when I come back, I want to see what you've done with that. So he leaves and he comes back and the guy with five talents comes back and he brings five extra talents, ten talents total. And so he invested it, he he did something to make that money grow. And here's where we get the saying, well done thou good and faithful servant. Enter into the blessedness prepared for you. The guy with the, the two talents comes and He not only returns the two, he returns two more. And the master says, well done, thou good and faithful servant. The guy with the one talent, he comes back, and he says, I I didn't know what to do with it, and and so I buried it, and I'm just here. I'm returning this one talent to you. I didn't lose a penny of it. And the master was pretty, pretty tough, and he said, depart from me, you wicked servant. What does it mean to be ready? It means to be able to take what God has given you and to be able to use it. It doesn't make any difference if you've given five talents or given one talent. I believe with all my heart, I guess I don't have scripture to to hang this on, but I believe with all my heart that if that one talent person had come back and had taken that one talent and turned it into two talents, the master would have said, well done. So it doesn't make any difference what, what you've been given. It's what you have done with what you have been given that matters. Well, I'll look over there. Here, old John, he's a five-talent guy. I'm just a one-talent. What can I do? No, it doesn't have anything to do with it. It doesn't have anything to do with it. Because after all, when I look at me and when I look at most of us, we're just average Joes, aren't we? There's not too many, there's not too many, there's not too many just very talented and genius people that are five talent people. Most of us are average Joes and average James, And we take what God has given us, no matter how average or no matter how every day, or no, how, no matter how insignificant it may be to that one person you're comparing yourself to, or that other person you're comparing yourself to, and we just use what God has given us. What does it mean to be ready? Yeah, it means to have your lamp all trimmed and ready to go, and, be walking in the fullness of spirit, walking close to Jesus, trusting Him as Savior, following Him as Lord. But it also means to be using what, what God has given you, whether that means you're 17 or 77. My mom is now in assisted living, she's basically a, a, a shut in. What can mom do for the kingdom? Well, she can just pray and pray and pray and pray. One more parable. It's a parable we know of, of the parable of sheep and the goats. Again, it's a story Jesus made up to make a point. I have it up here. When the Son of Man comes in His glory and all His angels with Him, He will sit on His glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered before Him, and He will separate the people one from another as the shepherd separates the sheep and the goats. He will put the sheep on His right and the goats on His left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my Father, take your inheritance. The kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. I needed clothes and you clothed me. I was sick and you looked after me. I was in prison and you came to visit me. What does it mean to be ready? Jesus says that um, we need to have compassion on needy people. And there's going to, I mean, it's just, I'm not making this up. It's just right there in red letters. I mean, there's just something about the judgment when we stand before God that's going to have to do with how compassionate people we were. I, I don't know how that works out. I know we're saved by grace and grace alone. I get all of that, and I believe that, and thank God for that. That's as much inspired scripture as, as Ephesians 2.8. that tells us about grace that we are saved. There's something about the judgment that we're going to face that has something to do with our compassion to needy people. And needy people certainly means poor people. Certainly means poor people. But a lot of people are needy in a lot of ways. This lady that I said here couldn't get out of bed this morning, and she texted me this morning and asked to pray. And, And Sue and I are going to go spend a very short amount of time with her this afternoon because people... That are in that kind of condition. They're embarrassed about it and they don't. But she, she's given us permission to come visit her, and we're going to spend about five minutes with her, and we're going to hug her, and we're going to pray with her, and we're going to tell her, We know how you feel. And, and, and we do. There's needy people all around. Yeah, yeah, yeah this means poor people in clothing and clothing and all that because it's very much right there in the scripture where there's a lot of needy people around us. Do we have compassion on those people? And that's my whole thing that I gave you about our Iraqi Christians. They're very needy right now. I don't know what we'd do. If I could send $20,000 from the church coffers today, I'd do it. If I thought it would take care of the situation. Be ready. What the Bible says about the second coming is that it's going to happen. He will come again. Receive you into himself. Paul and Titus calls this the blessed hope, the glorious appearing of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. I saw a billboard one time that said, warning, Jesus is returning. Man, Scripture reveals that as encouragement, man. It's a blessed hope that we have. One day this world will be set right. Right. One day God, the Father will say, That's enough, son. Go get my children. That's that's encouragement. Paul says it's a blessed hope, Titus chapter 2. Warning, Jesus is coming soon. Some people say if you if you preach on the second coming and you preach on hell, you'll get more people saved because you like scare them into the kingdom. How immature of a disciple do you have to be if you're scared into the kingdom? You'll never grow into Christ's likeness if you're just there because you're scared God's going to knock you over the head with a baseball bat. You lean into his love. You lean into his mercy. You lean into his grace, and that'll grow you up to be the disciple that God wants you to be. Not I'm fearful of you know what? You know what? You know what? Fearful? Oh, yeah. I, I yeah. I, I, got saved one day, and my name's on the church roll, and I'm a member of so and so church down the street. You know, I live like hell during the week, but I, I, took care of that issue a long time ago when I was 12. They, 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 they pull their little rabbit's foot out here. It's my, it's my ticket out of heaven right here. Ticket into heaven. Excuse me. He's coming again. You don't know when he's coming. So be ready. You're going to call your name one day. He's going to call your name one day. It could be this afternoon. It may be another thousand years or more. He'll call your name. It's gonna call your name Tim. It's gonna call your name Paul. It's gonna call your name Amy. It's gonna call your name Victoria. It's gonna call your name Doug. He's gonna call your name Brad. It's gonna call your name Mike. He's gonna call your name Angie. He's gonna call your name. And the issue is, did you have the date right? The issue is, are you ready? Are you ready? for the day he calls your name and can I tell you something we're we're not only dealing with what we understand to be the rapture, the second coming and all that kind of stuff we're not dealing with end times and apocalyptic type of stuff do you know he could call your name this afternoon because you could be killed in a car accident on the way home do you know that your name could be called that way too So it's not like May 21st, 2011, or or June June 17th, 2025. It could be this afternoon when you notice that lump that you've never noticed before. And he'll call your name. And your job is simply to be ready. Whether that is this afternoon or that's another seventy years, seven hundred years, whatever. I can remember singing in a little Pentecostal our Pentecostal friends spent a lot of time on end time stuff and, and, and prophecy and, and that's 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 great. That's great. They used to sing a little chorus, and I remembered it as I was putting this message together. One day, Jesus will call my name as days go by I hope I don't stay the same I want to get so close to him that it's no big change on that day that Jesus calls my name I want to get so close to him that it's no big change on that day that Jesus calls my name. Are you ready? And that doesn't mean you're hoping to die and, and, and all Are you just ready when it happens? If you are, it means you're trusting in Jesus Christ and you're following Him as Lord. You're walking in the fullness of the Spirit as much as you understand that at your current level of maturity as a Christian. It means you're using what God has given you to Somehow further the kingdom. You don't have to be a paid religious guy to do that. It means you have compassion on people that are less fortunate than you. And all those things put together somehow go into being ready. Our servers are coming to be able to open our tables. And for those of you that are visiting, we, we open up the Lord's table every Sunday here at Zinyanaz. The Bible says to to proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. And we do that every single Sunday, hopefully in more ways than this, but at least by the table. And for a reminder, a reminder of the shed blood and the broken body. Nathan Chrisman, our youth pastor, reminded me of the old song we used to sing in our Methodist church, and he said used to sing in his Pentecostal church when he was growing up. There is power, power, wonder work in power. And we acknowledge that every single Sunday by proclaiming the Lord's death until he comes, as 1 Corinthians 11 tells us to do. Some of you are going to receive the elements and some of you are going to want to kneel and pray and talk to God. You just worship as you choose in these next few moments. Father... Um, this sacrament of the church that we call the Lord's Supper or Communion or Eucharist, however we understand that. Father, uh, you've told us to do this in remembrance of you. And so, Father, we know that, that being ready has everything to do with our life centered and focused upon you. So, Father, I pray that you take this message today about things that we don't know a whole lot about, and use it to further us all on in our journeys. There are some people in here, Father, that that need to be nudged to receive your son Jesus as Lord and Savior for the very first time in their lives. That needs to happen today, Father. By your grace, would you draw them? Because no one comes unless your spirit will draw. There are some that need to be able to go past just my ticket into heaven to Christ-like discipleship, to lean in into your love and your grace and your mercy. Some of us need to use our gifts and graces in such a way that we can minister to other people in the body of Christ. So Father, I pray you use this message however you choose to use it and be with us during these next few moments of worship. We pray these things. And the only name under heaven by which we must be saved In the name of Jesus the messiah amen